and ready to go. Hot Bite with Huddy Withrow is underway on this Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us across the network, which includes streaming live right now on YouTube. You can join Chad in the chat live throughout today's show, which is going to be a fun one. Jim Nagy joins us, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. More commitments at quarterback for him. And some big names that we'll discuss from the college football ranks coming up later this hour. We've got John McClain with all the NFL news and notes as teams are going one way or the other towards the playoffs or towards potentially Black Monday for some of these NFL coaches. And SEC Mike, Michael Bratton, later in today's program. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hunt. You're so much better with titles than I am. But when I see someone like what do you mean? Jim Nagy, I, I don't even – I just call him the head of the – the you head. know, you know the well, exact title, be executive director. Yeah. No, it, I just, but no, it's not better. You have the exact title. I just say if everyone, if they are in, in charge, I just say, oh, that's the person that's in charge of this, or they're the head of this. Even if their title is president, CEO, executive director, anything else, I'm just paying you a compliment, saying I, you're much better at getting the right title than I am. I would just refer to Jim Nagy as, uh, you know, BMOC in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, that's that's not bad either. No. Yeah. I mean, I'd, we'll run it by him and see which title he prefers. Yeah, uh, the BMOC of Mobile, Alabama. He, Chad, is the the balance man. Chad Withrow. Uh, so I'm already pissed off to start this show Go today um, in the YouTube chat, and I, you know, I'm, Go ahead. I, it's Tuesday, right? Well, I can be a little bit pissy on a Tuesday at times. Yes, very early Two days in the before week, the weekend, right? And I'm sure a lot of people haven't got their shopping done. Um, you know, what whatever may be ailing you this holiday season. And I, but I, I'm still, I'm going in with good faith when I get into the YouTube chat. I'm thinking, today's the day. We're going to have positivity. It's going to be smooth, no issues. And I log in, and I see Ace in our YouTube chat. Ace. Ace that Clement. says, wow, Ace Acabras. Okay. I hope that's not some sort of double entendre that I just read aloud. Probably. Wow, more talk about Eagles losing before the show starts than we talk Cowboys loss entire yesterday's show. I think we spent maybe three to four minutes on the Cowboys on yesterday's show. I don't recall yeah. spending the entire three hours we're on talking the Cowboys. So if you're going to take a dig at us, Ace, at least be correct with your information. We spent very little time on yesterday's show talking about the Cowboys. Because the caption reads something to draw in the eyes doesn't mean we're going to spend an entire show. We're on this show for three hours. We're not going to spend the entire show talking about the Eagles. We are going to open talking about the Eagles. Why? Because it was the most watched thing on television last night that happened in sports. It was Monday Night Football, and it was a big loss for the Eagles, and it was a big moment for Drew Locke. So I don't want to start the show off on this negative foot hunting, but Ace has me pissed off for greatness already. Let's let's. Well, Ace is not going to like this. Let's just say... This is now the fourth backup quarterback in the last seven Monday Night Football games to win for the underdog opponent. And it's going to be the backup quarterbacks that will either keep certain teams out of the playoffs or will keep certain teams from winning their division, potentially not winning a number one overall seed in the postseason. Potentially, that loss keeps Philadelphia from hosting Dallas at some point instead of having to travel to Dallas where the Cowboys win. You'll like that, Ace. Let, let's also point this out. Philadelphia's lost now three straight. 
And Chad, I see and hear the same reaction that we heard whenever San Francisco and the Niners went through their three-game lull midway through the season. Reaction was, hey, Shanahan, are you going to bench Brock Purdy? Do you need a quarterback change? The answer, immediately, no. We're sticking with our quarterback going into their bye week. Jalen Hurts has been banged up. There are some that believe that Marcus Mariota should be playing while Hurts gets healthy. I like the fact that he's pushing through because this team needs their leader. And once again, Jalen Hurts is leading in a same fashion that he did a year ago. I've, I've been thoroughly impressed with him from the start of last year where there are a lot of alpha mentalities on that roster. For the most part, he is calm, cool, and collected, and he speaks up when he needs to. And there is a clear leader of the offense. I mean, it's not one of the star receivers. It's not in the backfield. It's not Kelsey up front on the offensive line. It's Hurts. And he says what needs to be said. Last year, they were unbeaten for a long stretch, and he kept saying it's not about one win. This really doesn't factor into what we ultimately want to do. Those sound cliche, and they are. But it was also paired with honesty about what they did wrong in some wins and how they needed to be more consistent. Now it is about complacency, and he's discussing more of a, a challenge with commitment with the Philadelphia Eagles. This is what's different than what we saw the three-game losing streak ultimately look like for San Francisco. Let me set it up by saying a part of this three-game losing streak they played three games in 13 days and then hosted San Francisco at home. San Francisco was coming in off of 10 days rest. They lose. It was a massacre. Blowout. They follow that up by playing in Dallas. The Cowboys win. The Dallas Cowboys were also coming off of 10 days rest. Again, that's how the NFL works. No reason to pout about that. Philadelphia is good enough to win those games. And last night... I'm thinking to myself, what's really going on in Philly? Where in week 15, they're changing the defensive coordinator and the play caller, turning to Matt Patricia. That is way late in the year to make that change. And then you have, after the loss, 20-17, to 17, with Drew Locke leading the way against said defense, down the field, 90-plus yards to win the game. You have Hurts go to the podium and question the Eagles' commitment after three, lose, uh, three losses in a row. And the quote being, I've been talking about execution all year, being on the same page. We did execute. I don't think we were committed enough, you know. Just got to turn it around. It's a challenge we have to embrace. We just got to continue to see it through. And then he was asked what he meant by that statement about commitment. He says, commitment. I don't know. I don't have a dictionary on me right now. I don't know how else to say it. It's a matter of being on the same page. It takes everyone being all in, in all aspects, and it starts with me. I love the tone and the tenor of what he's saying because it resonates with everyone else and the collective group follows one guy and it's Jalen Hurts. They wouldn't be doing that with Marcus Mariota. So while I say don't hit the panic button, just like I said that for Brock Purdy and an excellent team in San Francisco with an excellent coach, I'm saying it here with Philly, even though there's more to this than what we saw the Niners go through because they're admitting with the coaching change and the play caller change on defense, something is just missing in that aspect. And I think in Sirianni's case, he's pointing 
to his players and listening to them, making the play call change defensively, and he's not making the change at quarterback because his quarterback's banged up, because that guy is the leader in the locker room, and he's one of the best doing it right now. I trust Jalen Hurts to get it right. And I'm trusting Brock Purdy to get it right. And he did. I say, calm down, hit the pan. Don't hit the pan about However, they need to host in the playoffs. Dallas wins at home. Philly does not need to go on the road and play that game. They got to pick it up. That was a bad loss last night for the it, Eagles. It was bad. And that 92-yard drive they give up in the end uh, to Drew Locke. And, and kudos to Drew Locke. A, a really cool story. Uh, with his bounce back in the post-game interview and everything else. But that's a missed opportunity for that defense with Matt Patricia now calling defensive plays. I'm curious. I'm with you, Hutton. I'm not pressing the panic button as an observer of the Eagles. But could you argue that Nick Sirianni pressed the panic button with that move? Or is that just prudent at this point in the year? I think it's, When you look at changing defensive play-calling responsibility in mid-December. That, that is, that's evidence that something is just off behind the scenes from the team we saw last year. But, Chad, it's also great self-awareness. A lot of coaches nowadays don't make in-season changes. It yeah. took Mike Vrabel. He didn't make the change of coordinator last year in the season. And it took him all the way to, what, week 11 to make a change with special teams and their coordinator there that had been awful. Uh, at least Sirianni is... he's turning over everything he possibly can in that regard, hoping to spark a defense that, again, allowed 20 points, but allowed that drive at the end. Yeah, I think it's um, that constant battle for coaches of staying the course, being stubborn when you need to be stubborn on something, but also not holding your team back. And it, it's easy at going into that game. Think about this week. They started with the switch at the start of the week. Matt Patricia was the one in charge of all the defensive meetings, yep. implementing the game plan, everything else. They're 10-3 and three going into this week. Very easy for Nick Sirianni to say, we're fine. 10-3, and three, I'm not going to press the panic button and change anything up. But I do think it takes a strong leader to also admit if that's what's happening, hey, we got one part of our game right now that's holding us back a bit. And if we're going to get over that hump and win the Super Bowl this year and not lose it, I need to make a change now before it's too late. Yep. So we need to get going into the playoffs, the direction we Momentum. want to go, and reaching our full potential. That takes a strong leader to do that. But I can also understand the second guessing of, is that strong leadership? Or is that a guy with not a ton of experience that's hitting the panic button when he should have stayed the course? Time will tell. That was a, that was a good defensive game for the most part until the very end. And we're feeling a lot different about that move if they just stop Seattle one more time before that 92-yard touchdown drive that, that ended the game and won it for the Seahawks. We'll see how it goes now moving forward, but I think a fascinating decision by Nick Sirianni either way with how we look at this right. team before and after, and they're 0-1 right now after that move. Both Cowboys and the Eagles lose. Cowboys are now the two-seed, though, in the NFC. Currently, Philadelphia would be the fifth seed in the NFC. Again, that's all well and good until you realize that you don't have that home field advantage, and that plays a factor in the postseason, weather conditions and all. But just look at the Cowboys' record at home versus on the road. That's all you need to know. Look at Dak Prescott playing at home versus on the road. And the results speak for themselves. That's crucial for Dallas, crucial for Philly.
Chad, uh, a lot of teams are losing to backup quarterbacks. You know, it, that's, yeah. that's playing a massive factor in the playoff push. And in the transfer portal, we're seeing quarterbacks go to teams that may be willing to uh, sit a year. And, and I'm stunned by this. Well, there's one. So th this well, is, maybe this is two, the though. reverse. Uh, didn't LSU just get a backup as well? Well, they got A.J. Swan. Uh, but they have Nussmeyer. He's going to compete for the starting job, sure, though. But I, don't, I don't know that any of those other guys are going to going to beat him Last up. year, but, we saw what happened at Ole Miss. It's well, just let's, yeah, let, the, let's the, recap the a little bit. This. Because this has been a constant argument of mine and complaint. Uh, I look at certain quarterback situations, and I think, do they look at the, the depth chart before committing to a school? Uh, it, it's, uh, it's an embarrassment of riches in certain spots with quarterbacks and guys who should be starting – at the FBS level or at the Power Five level, and you double up in in the case of Ole Miss a year ago with Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders and the guy who came at Walker Howard from LSU, uh, they had too many. Uh, why? Why is everyone going to Ole Miss at once? I understand challenging yourself and wanting to be the alpha in the room and feeling like, I don't care if those guys are there. I'm going to go beat them out and take their job. There's also doing what is smart and going to a place where you know you're going to be the starter. You like the coaching staff. You like the system. They're going to develop you for the next level. Or if you don't have a next level and you're not an NFL quarterback, you can go somewhere and be developed and have a good college career. That's what most quarterbacks should do. Some don't do that. So when I saw Dante Moore, five-star freshman at UCLA, who started five games for Chip Kelly this year, transfer to, wait for it, Oregon, it was a head-scratcher. I'm thinking, why on earth would a five-star freshman quarterback go to a school that just a week and a half ago landed Dylan Gabriel, who is a veteran guy who's been a star at Central Florida, at Oklahoma, and now will go on to be a star at Oregon? And then I looked deeper into it, and I found a guy that is admitting and is self-aware enough to know, I need to be developed. I'm, I'm not ready. Dante Moore was not good enough to retain the job at UCLA. Ethan Garbers was better. Chip Kelly was on Pat McAfee's show today and said that. He said he lost the job to another guy, and we feel better about this situation now. And he played well against USC to end the year, and he played really well in their bowl game against Boise State. Hey, not every five-star quarterback is created equally. Some guys need time. Some guys aren't stars right when they get to school. So Dante Moore has made the decision – Oregon finished second, Dan Lanning did in Oregon, in his recruitment. He's watched what Oregon did with Bo Nix, and he said, I'm going to go there. I know I'm the backup to Dylan Gabriel. I'll sit for a year, and then I'll have a year or two to be the starter. That's my plan now. I'm going to willingly, how many guys would do this? Willingly go and sit to learn and develop. I think that's awesome. Good for Dante Moore. There's not enough quarterbacks that will do that. Yeah, and uh, how about what this says for Will Stein at Oregon? Yeah. You know, a young offensive coordinator who has Dante Moore join him and potentially redshirt. I mean, that's also on the table for one year. But Will Stein may end up being a head coach sooner rather than later as well. Um, but I, I think that's also someone to, to look at and watch moving forward as a coach. Because the, Moore is from Detroit, Went to UCLA, yeah, and now Oregon. Um, if we look around college football, there are quarterback rooms. I mean, Dion Dion's looking for a veteran quarterback to go 
and help yeah, back he up Shador. Yeah, he got one from Vanderbilt, uh, a freshman quarterback that's coming in to transfer to back up Shador. But I just – normally I would say, why are you doing this? Look at a depth chart, go somewhere and start. And Dante Moore could have done that. He could have gone to a number of places and been the starter day one. But he said, I like Oregon. I like Dan Lanning. I should have gone there out of high school. I didn't. Here's my second chance. I'm going to go there and back up a better quarterback and learn from him. That takes moxie. That takes foresight, and I yeah. applaud Dante Moore for that move. Now he's coached by Stein, who was a quarterback in college as well. Yep, so. at Louisville. Coming up, on the bus, off the bus, we'll discuss NFL MVP and more. Straight ahead here on Hot Mike. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody are located with Yah Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on here on the Outkick Network. Starting uh, January 3rd, the only place to catch Outkick's original and fearless shows live is going to be on our website, outkick.com. Just click on the watch tab there. Uh, you'll be able to catch up on YouTube on demand, but for all of the live content, head over to the watch tab at outkick.com, outkick.com slash watch, your one-stop shop for all things Outkick. Chad, one thing about last night's game other than Philly losing, is Seattle's win now gets them to 7-7 seven and seven after a losing streak with Drew Locke and their playoff hopes are, remain alive in the NFC with um, an opportunity this coming weekend as they travel to Nashville to face the Titans. Geno Smith was active, but it wasn't. no one was really sure how they would go at quarterback. With Locke now playing well, at least in, in this case, that final drive was excellent um, in the conditions and leaving time on the clock, really, uh, after the touchdown pass to Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm curious how they roll moving forward. I think it'll be Geno Smith, but the fact he was active and not just the emergency quarterback was interesting if they're going with Locke last night. Well, and it saved their season for now. Yeah, it is. Uh, with with right. that win, they it, was, it. Uh, it was incredible. It is time for NFL overreaction. Davey Hudson joins us. Guys, it's uh, been a fun last several weeks watching Monday Night Football. A lot of games come down to the wire. Obviously, the underdog has been victorious uh, more often than not recently. And, you know, good to see Drew Locke come out and have that drive. I, I don't know if you guys caught his postgame presser, but he was just discussing, like, I, I don't know if I still had it. Like, this was one of those things, like, I just want, I was, a, I was happy I was able to go out and improve that I could still play at this level. And so my first comment for today Seattle should start Drew Locke again this week I'm gonna say yes uh, I think there's some mojo there uh, with Drew Locke don't go away from it they just beat the Philadelphia Eagles who's still one of the best teams in NFL and they did so on a 92 yard touchdown drive to win the game I I'm letting that carry over and I'm giving Drew Locke a another opportunity so yeah I don't think that's an overreaction he, he should be the starter right now for Seattle and if it goes south for him you go back to Geno Smith I, I think they, they start Geno Smith if he's healthy. Uh, he's got the, coming off the groin injury that he suffered against the 49ers, uh, limited practices, whatever it might be. We saw what Geno Smith meant to Seattle a year ago, and that locker room certainly did as well. I'm riding with the guy that you just signed into an extension this offseason, one that you have an out clause with after this season, but one that has shown you a lot more in his recent recent play in Seattle compared to what we saw from, from Drew, Drew Locke, who beat him. They competed in camp a year and a half ago. I'm riding back with Geno Smith. 
he gives you the best chance to reach the postseason. And we also see, Chad, the, the, the flurry, the quick glimpse of the backups that come in, and then defensive coordinators and head coaches adjust to that on tape. Yeah, I, I, would, I would let them see if they adjust first and then go back to Geno. I'm, I'm riding the hot hand until he's no longer the hot hand. And then going back, my option is very clear. If it goes south, I'm going quickly back to Geno Smith as the starter. But let's see if there's a little bit of magic left uh, or, you know, I guess magic for the first time for Drew Locke as an NFL quarterback if he can keep this thing going. Just staying there real quick, did did you have Seattle as your pick yesterday on that's my quarterback as far as time to probably go in a new direction? New direction in the offseason, yes. Um, But if you want to stay on the direction of, postseason I'm, I'm playing Geno Smith um, given the time and the effort spent with the starting receivers and the weapons that he has I'm doing and the mobility I'm using that to my advantage if I'm Seattle especially on the road I agree with you on that one staying with that game last night Jalen Hurts lost the MVP yes yep yeah, he did that's not an overreaction uh, it's it's similar though to what we saw last year except he's playing through some things instead of trying to get the shoulder ready for the postseason like he did a year ago, Chad. It's it's unfortunate because he's playing well, but they haven't had that same that same spark that we've seen from the past Philly offense of 2022. Yeah, no, he, he lost it. Uh, and it, I, I'm with Hutton. The same deal as last year, except he's just playing through the injury this year. But the time with the injury is going to cost him the MVP. Time of the injury last year is because he didn't play, and that's why he didn't win the MVP. This year he's playing through it. So, yeah, he, he lost it last night. And I'll say, I mean, the, the 49ers have already wrapped up their spot in the NFC, their division. You've got, uh, on the other side of things, Baltimore. They'll face each other this week. Lamar Jackson can play his way into that role and that, that award, I should say. Um, and if the quarterbacks end up canceling themselves out, Christian McCaffrey is going to win MVP. It's not going to be Jalen Hurts. Or, or we should also mention Dak Prescott, who did not play well on the road in, against Buffalo. Guys, we've been talking that race for the number one overall pick. And the New England Patriots will be drafting number one overall. Carolina still has a draft pick, right? No. Well, they, well, I mean, they the, do, but the it's Bears. Chicago's. Yeah. Goes to Chicago. Um, Chicago's getting it. I, Carolina's the worst team in the league. I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. I, I don't know all the implications of who gets what pick, but Carolina with two wins right now, they're one game clear of New England with three wins. The, that's why that was such a damning loss for Arthur Smith. And that's why he benched Desmond Ritter, and he's going with Taylor Heineke now, because that's an embarrassment Again. to lose to that Panthers team. You're right. And the Patriots just beat the Steelers. That's something. The Panthers have nothing. It's... Whoever's got the Panthers pick, the Chicago Bears will be drafting number one overall. Yeah, I, th- I still think the Bears have the number one overall pick because the Panthers will host Green Bay. They've got to have a win. That's uh, Christmas Eve. They then will travel to Jacksonville that's going to be doing everything possible in the division, knotted up right now with Houston. Uh, and then they finish the season against Tampa. And it could come down to the final week for Tampa if they want to lock up the division. So I... I I don't see Carolina winning another game, even though they had no business beating Atlanta, even though Atlanta sucks too. What's interesting is right now, both teams, they have the exact same strength of schedule. 
And for if it were to be a tie, the team with the easier schedule would get the number one overall pick. And yes. so I, I anticipate New England losing out. And if Carolina just gets one more win, which I, I, I could see it coming against the Buccaneers. I mean, we've watched this NFC South all season. They've not been very consistent, to say the least. And so that's one of those games, too, where it's Carolina's – they don't care about getting that draft pick. And I, I know the teams don't necessarily go to the tanking route, but if if you're – the Bears in, in that situation, they're not the one like playing for their own pick in this case. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, but like, so the Patriots have the Broncos, the Bills. Both of those are on the road. Then they'll host the Jets to finish the season. And the Panthers have Packers in Jacksonville, Bucks. Yeah. Panthers aren't winning another game. Yeah, same for New it's, England. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think either team's going to win another game, but it's, it's going to be the Bears picking first. Okay, guys, well, moving right along, going back into the playoff conversation, the AFC North will get three teams into the playoffs. I think oh, we've been there, done that, and I don't see it happening. I don't either. I think I'm going to say overreaction. I think it's two. I think it's Baltimore and Cleveland. I think it's going to be Joe Flacco and Cleveland that's going to find a way yeah. in there. That's, that's shocking to say that when Deshaun Watson went down that they were going to be maybe better off in some weird alternate universe, but I think those are the two teams that go. So, and, and the Steelers have dropped down a bit now at, uh, what, 7-7, seven and seven, their record. Yeah, three straight. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because two of those games are to the Cardinals and the Patriots. Yeah. They, I'm eliminating the Steelers from this competition. I know mathematically they're not, but the way they've played lately, they're they're out Well, in my mind. And the teams that are ahead of them, Buffalo's winning, and they're playing very well currently. The Texans are going to get Stroud back from concussion protocol. And then you have uh, the Colts, who, for whatever reason, continue to win. Uh, they're sitting there at 8-6. and six. I, uh, Bengals, Browns from the AFC North. It should... Oh, and then, well, you've got... I think the, the Bills are going to work their way in. Chad, I think that it comes down to Colts, Texans. And to, both of those teams continue to play well. And then it goes into the final week of the season. Because you've got Baltimore. Baltimore's going to lock that up. It's, it, Bengals or Browns, one of them's going to fall out. There's not a lot to get excited about in terms of deep, possible deep playoff run at the bottom of the AFC playoffs outside of Buffalo. So, okay. The trend, I look at all those other teams, and I view them very similarly, that they're one and done, except for the Bills, who is a nightmare if you have to host the Bills in that early playoff game, if they find a way to stay hot and work their way back into the playoffs. The Am I trend, wrong there? Are you worried about anyone else in that group? Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati with Jake Browning, uh, I mean, Texans, I'm, Colts. I'm worried about Cleveland's defense. That travels everywhere. Yeah. That's our, they're a wrecking crew. I, I, The trend has been, though, the backups that have had that spark, that spark kind of goes away kind of burns out a little bit. There's still some smoke, but not much fire after three or four weeks. Can Jake Browning continue to provide that for Cincinnati? I would doubt that, given the trend and how typically defenses tend to figure you out from a coaching perspective. Guys, there's still two games back as you look at the wild card race. Um, or sorry, two spots back, not two games back. But the Buffalo Bills will definitely make the playoffs. Yeah, I think they're going to they're going to win their way in. Uh, this also just comes down to Josh Allen protecting the football. He can he can turn the football over. Chad, he can't have the three or four turnover games. No, and he's done that whenever they've really faltered uh, through the first half 
three quarters of the season. Chargers win. That's this the remaining schedule. Hosting the Patriots win. May come down to Buffalo in Miami the final week of the season. But I think this team's gonna gonna work their way into the playoffs. That they're not losing the next two weeks. And um well, and there's yeah, a way think, they can win the division. In. There's yeah, a way. No, there's mathematically they the they Dolphins went out. Schedule is very tough to end the season. Then they got to host Buffalo, yeah. so they could win the division week, with that game. Week 18 could come down to winner takes the division, which is fascinating considering where where Buffalo was. Uh, very just very average, up and down. They'd fall back to 500, win two, lose two, uh, and now they're currently playing the best football right now across the league in terms of just winning streaks and how great they've looked in some of these wins. Guys, I'm going rogue right now, but Shane Steichen should be the coach of the year. No. No, he's not coach of the year. Uh, it, we, there's too many, too many storylines, and no one's mentioning Indianapolis in anything. There's no buzz around Indy. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get the argument, Davey, if, if it's um... – you know, D'Amico Ryans is the one that everyone presumed was going to be the coach of the year with what he did with the Texans. Now they're tied, Colts and Texans. So why not the team that, you know, is playing with a backup quarterback and not the rookie? They've had C.J. Stroud longer in Houston. I understand the argument. I don't think he's winning coach of the year, though. Um, Kyle Shanahan's going to win it. D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan. I, I think that he's probably third or fourth down the list. I mean, I'll throw another one out there if they make their way to the playoffs. Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski's a great one. With Cleveland. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's I, another great I, one. I just think that they're going to get more um, love than Indianapolis. Whether that's right or wrong, I, I, they're going to – that, that's more and, of a story. Yeah, up until their recent losses, uh, what they've, they've dropped a couple now. They've got Detroit. They just lost to Detroit. But um, Sean Payton starting one and five yeah. to get them back into playoff contention. Uh, they're not going to reach the playoffs. But had they, he's coach of the year. And another guy that's kind of just falling under the I, – I, I get it's the Lions, but, I mean, Dan Campbell and what he's been able to do. He's already, they, got, they got back on track. They did in a big way. Against Denver. But but they have they have not looked the part. Yeah. I feel like they, 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 in the month they of, reached a level to where it's almost like number one seed they got to get for him to win coach of the year. Because yeah, well, there were big expectations well, for them. Well, I, I thought he was right there to win it, Chad. Until Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then since then, they haven't looked the same. But they did look great this past weekend. Uh, guys that will not be in the running for Coach of the Year, but Mike Vrabel, Robert Sala, Todd Bowles, and Dennis Allen will all return to their respective coaching positions in 2024. Oh, this is an overreaction. Uh, absolutely not. I I'm going to go ahead and say right now, two of the four are likely out. Dennis Allen, Todd Bowles. I think half of them will be out. I think Sala's back as long as Aaron Rodgers wants him back. It's going to be Rodgers' decision on that one, and Mike Vrabel's going to be back. I, I agree. I, and I think Allen or Bowles will potentially be back. They're, they're, I mean, there are going to be so many openings. Tell me how many new coaches are going to get these jobs. Bowles or Allen will be able, especially Todd Bowles, uh, with Baker Mayfield and the way they're playing. It's going to be hard to tell Bowles to, you know, get out, leave, if they end up winning a bad division, but also with Baker Mayfield playing the way he currently is, which is really good. It's also a quiet storyline. I would be nervous if I'm a Bucks fan about them being close to giving Baker a long-term deal. 
I just we, we've seen that before, where a quarterback will come in for a year. He's been really good. He's bet on himself. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Davey, that you don't know that he's going to continue that, but he's earned a little more time, at least, with, with them. He's, he was great this past weekend. Mike Evans won't be back. He will be losing him. Another 1,000-yard receiver. What, nine straight now? Jim Nagy knows something about 1,000-yard receivers. He does. He joins us next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on here on the Outkick Network. The new and improved Outkick store is finally live. You can stock up on golf polos, t-shirts, hats, and more. Shop.outkick.com is where you can go for that. Shop.outkick.com. Jim Nagy joins us, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Joins us weekly as we scout college football. And we may peek ahead some to the, the NFL and the play that is on the field. Former NFL scout joins us. Jim, good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you guys. Uh, I, I know you're you're on the trail trying to find more commitments for uh, quarterback positions. And, um, well, you may be able to uh, enlighten us on that or maybe not. But I'm, I'm eager to know you're, you're swinging for the fences on this, right, with the top quarterbacks across college football and – it's typically what you end up doing. You haven't been turned down that often. No, no, we're, we're going after the big guns. We have to, uh, you know, last year broke our streak. We had seven straight years with the first round quarterback last year. It just didn't work out that way. Will Levis, uh, right there in your backyard was the one guy we had a shot at. And then Will will had a foot injury that kind of forced him out of, out of our game. So, uh, you know, we had, we had a bunch of, you know, Jay Kaner and Clayton Toon and Jaron Hall and Tyson Bajan. Uh, you know, it was, it was just, uh, that was last year's class. Now this year's, this year's class is different. You've got the three guys that were in uh, New York for the Heisman there a couple weeks ago, last week, um, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix and Michael Penix. And we've got commitments already from Spencer Rattler, uh, from South Carolina, Joe Milton from Tennessee and Michael Pratt, who I just got off the phone with from Tulane. He's uh, actually in Nashville right now. He drove up there with his girlfriend. They were just hunting in Arkansas together. Uh, doing some deer hunting. So he's, he's somewhere around you guys right now. Tell him to swing um, by, tell him to swing by old Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> but we, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to be taking swings at Drake may as well uh, from North Carolina. And, and again, Caleb Williams, I'm not sure. Like he doesn't, Caleb, from what I understand, isn't, isn't going the representation route. He's not going to get an agent. So it's going to be, I don't have any way to get a hold of him if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't have an agent. So, get with his dad. We'll, uh, his dad loves to talk. You can text his dad. He may, he may answer for him. That's what I've heard, <laughs> Jim. So, uh, when the age are the agents trying to say like, "Hey, how much is he going to play in the game?" Like, how concerned are the agents on their end about playing time versus potential injury? Again, spitballing here. What's the typical conversation like? Yeah, it it depends. That that really hasn't come up. It's come up with a couple of other positions outside of quarterback. Um, where guys are, you know, uh, actually with a couple of running backs want to know, like, do we, you know, how, how much contact and, and like for the running backs, for example, we don't tackle to the ground during our, during our inside run periods. We just have the guys thought up and wrap up um, and stop progress. And then we whistle it. So Typical not practice. going to the ground. Yeah. For practice. Um, and then, so the most, the most, most physicality in practice is actually, you know, the pass protection drills, the, the one-on-one pass pro with the linebackers. But yeah, in the game, obviously we're tackling, yeah. uh, we'll tackle to the ground. But, uh, 
but no, it hasn't come up with the quarterback. You know, there's a lot of rules in place, no blitzing, really vanilla coverages, um, no wide nine techniques where you've got guys screaming off the edge. Like there's, there's things we do within the rules that, that help protect those quarterbacks. So I'm old school Jim and that I like players to play in as you know, many games as they can, if they're, if they're physically able to do it, but we're having more and more opt outs in bowl games, not non playoff games. How do most NFL teams view those decisions? Is it case by case? Is there kind of a blanket understanding that they're not going to let that bother them? If someone opts out from the NFL perspective, how is that normally viewed? It's changed quite a bit. That's a really good question. All, all I can go back is to Christian McCaffrey. When he, when he was the first player to opt out of a bowl game, uh, I was working with the Seahawks. And the reaction in the room amongst our staff was like, what is this kid doing? You know, like we couldn't believe it that you'd be, you know, turning your back on your team. That's kind of how it's perceived. It's amazing how far away from that we are right now with where the NFL stance is on these guys that opt out of bowl games. I, I think the league understands it is a it's a business decision for these for these players. Um, and, and I could cite a lot of different examples over the years of guys that opted to play in the bowl game and then got hurt with it, which then kept them out of the entire draft process. And for for the fans that don't understand it, because I'm with you, like I'm, I'm a traditionalist as well. Um, I've got great memories of, of just laying around New Year's Day with my family and watching bowl games as a kid with my my dad, who was a high school coach. So um, I'm with you on that. Um, but we're just the money is so great compared to what it was then. There's there's so many things that play that um, I think the league is really taking a different stance. I think I think where the league is, you know, where they might look at it a little differently is if, if a player opted out of the college football playoff when they were really playing for playing for playing for something, you know, when they're playing for a championship, playing for a title and you opt out of that, I think that would raise some eyebrows around the league, but right now opt out of the bowl games, not so much. And what I, what I like to, you know, tell people that are really harsh against these players is the difference between the bowl game and the senior bowl. Cause I see that a lot on social media. How could a guy, how could a guy opt out of our bowl game and then go play in the senior bowl? Well, you know, the bowl game is just whatever it is. It's 55th, 56th college football game for that school. And, and there's barely any scouts at those games. You, you talk about a week-long event with every key decision maker in the NFL, head coaches, GMs, coordinators, that are really going to be determining the fate of this young man's professional career. And you're not only on the field in front of those guys, with them on the practice field with you standing 10 feet from you, um, you're also spending, you know, a lot of time in meeting rooms and in interviews uh, where you can really impress these guys and make those connections, which matter when we get to April. So, again, I always try to put it in the context of how would you feel if it was your son or your brother or your nephew? And, and then 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 tell me what you would think, you know, like if your son was about to make life changing money, would you be expecting him to go out and play in a bowl game? No, I don't think you would. So. I think it's just the lens we all see things through. I'm glad you brought that up, Jim, because you mentioned uh, Joe Milton a little bit earlier. Joe Milton's a guy who's committed to play in the Senior Bowl. He's not yet declared his intention whether or not he's going to play in the Citrus Bowl against Iowa or not. Do you feel like the agents are on the Senior Bowl side on this with their clients where, hey, it's better for you to play in this game and be there for this week as opposed to playing in the bowl game. If you decide to do both, great. But if you're going to do one, pick your game. Is that where agents are siding? 100%. 100%. I mean, I, I think as a rule, that's what it is. And again, I don't, 
I don't think many agents try to dissuade players from playing in the bowl game, but if it is like an either or proposition, I think they, you know, and again, it's the rest factor too. Like right now we're working through this with a couple of players that they're banged up. You know, it's a 12, 13 game season. A lot of these guys aren't feeling great physically. Um, so now it's, do I shut myself, do I shut myself down on December 1st and give myself eight full weeks till senior bowl time to get my body healthy? Or do I keep practicing and then play in another game in January and then only have three or four weeks to get myself ready? So I think that, that, that plays a lot of it, but I do think the agents would much rather if there's the choice, go to mobile, get in front of all these guys that are going to be making the picks in April because the difference is, and maybe I've said this on the show with you guys before, um, like it's different when a scout like me goes into a draft room and is pounding the table and saying what he saw on a campus or saw at a game. It's an entirely different thing when you've got a head coach and a GM and a coordinator that also was around this player in Mobile for a week. Then, then they get that personal investment in it, right? Like they're now they've bought in, they've seen it themselves, they've felt it themselves, they've heard it themselves. It's not secondhand information for them. So it's just, it's an easier buying factor. And I think the agent community knows that. Jim Nagy, our guest, the Senior Bowl coming up on February the 4th. Uh, as far as uh, the, the offensive linemen are concerned going into the draft, I'm sure the scouts across the league, Jim, have a good understanding about these guys. Because there are several of them last year that maybe surprised some by going back to college for an extra year. And that means the top 75 picks or so it will be stacked with offensive linemen and many of them are going to the, your bowl. Yeah, it's, it's a really good, first of all, I'll say it's a deep class. It's a talented class. And maybe it's because of what you said. I think a couple of these guys went back for an extra year, which beefs it up. Also, I think the other compounding factor in this is the offensive line play across the NFL right now. Isn't very good. Yeah. Point blank. I mean, we, we all sit around on Sundays and Monday nights and watch what's going on. Um, and quarterbacks are get, are getting killed. And I know you guys talked about it on your show about just the state of the NFL and every week. It, it, regard, it seems like every game you turn on, at least one of the two quarterbacks is the backup. Um, and that's not a great place to be as a league. So um, I do think you'll see some teams maybe, maybe push those linemen up and draft for need a little bit. Um, but it is a very talented class. So I, I think right now we went over the board a couple of days ago. I think there's seven or eight linemen in the game right now. Um, that could be first round draft picks when we get to April. And that's, that's a lot. We had five, my first year here at the senior bowl back in 2019, we had five first round offensive linemen. Um, and I think we could, we could better that this year. I actually be surprised if we didn't better that this year. You surprised that uh, Carson Beck ends back at Georgia for another year. Or did you expect to see him in the draft? Well, we were hearing a lot of different things. So we we've taken his card off the board. We've put it back on. Literally the other day, I, I grabbed it off out of a drawer that we had that we'd taken it off. I threw it back on the board and 10 minutes later, someone <laughs> yells out the hallway that Carson Beck's going back to school. So uh, I don't know, maybe we jinxed that, but it, it, it wouldn't have surprised me either way. I think uh, I think if Carson came out this year, he would have gone somewhere on day two. Um, I think it's going to serve him well, his development well, by going back and playing another year in the SEC. Again, there's always the injury risk of going back and playing 12 games, you, you know, at the college level. But I think developmentally, he'll be a better quarterback a year from now than he would be if he came out this year. And this is a deep class. We've talked about it. We mentioned some of the names earlier. I don't think next year will be quite as deep. And that probably that probably works in uh, Carson's favor as well. A couple of under the radar prospects that will be drafted in the first three rounds uh, from the 
the group of five. Uh, let's just look at the Mac, for instance. Toledo quarterback Quinion Mitchell uh, is one that uh, you certainly have your eye on from the Senior Bowl perspective, and one that a lot of teams will. Yeah, I, I don't know how much Maction you guys talk here on the show. Um, not a ton. <laughs> we, not a ton. <laughs> we get into the Maction a little bit. Yeah, Quinion Mitchell is a name uh, for all the listeners. That's a guy that you need to know about if you're if you're one of these draft draft geeks like me. Um, you know, first he's in a lot of these mock first round drafts already. Big, long, tall corner from Toledo. Very productive, very physical, aggressive player. And then another guy from the Mac is Marshawn Neeland, uh, a defensive end from Western Michigan. Who he kind of flirted with the portal, and he was going to go to Colorado and be with Coach Prime this year, and he ended up staying in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, but he's a guy that on our calls with NFL teams, a lot of teams already have him in the third round. Um, you know, and then one of his former teammates from Western Michigan who did go in the portal. Uh, Braden Fiske is at Florida state. Another guy we have in the senior bowl who was at Western Michigan last year. So just, so just some names, just some small school names. I know we're, hey. we're about three months out from the draft, but those are some names that are probably flying under radars that, uh, the people that really love the nitty gritty draft stuff. Those are a couple names to keep in mind. Hey, how, how soon or how long does it take for, for players prospects to get the grade back overall, the range of round they could be selected given the feedback of the NFL, when do they know that? And that's what they're all waiting on right now. That's a great question. That's a lot of those guys are waiting on that right now. And because the juniors are eligible for us right now, we're in limbo because they're waiting on that grade. Um, they usually petition that first week in December and it, and it usually takes a couple of weeks to get back. So I'm sure a lot of guys will be here in this week before the holidays. I know the league, I know when I scouted, I would get a list from the Seahawks. Hey, Jim, watch these guys. Yeah. Because I just got off the phone with a junior um, who we got committed to the game about a half hour ago. I can't say who it is okay. for a few more weeks. Um, but he's going back for the holidays with his family. Um, and you want to get this information to the kids so they can go home and mull it over with the people they trust and they love. So I know that's the goal of the league. So hopefully we'll start figuring some of that stuff out too. When they know what they're going to do, then we can figure out who's on our roster or not. So uh, hopefully some of this stuff will get cleared up in the next couple weeks. Jim Nagy's been our guest. Hey, uh, happy holidays to you. Uh, thanks so much for joining us weekly. We look forward to this again next week. Yeah, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Appreciate you having me on and uh, enjoy the family time. Yeah, man. Merry Same Christmas. You. Merry Thank Christmas. you, Jim. Jim Nagy, uh, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Great title. Uh, no doubt. Love that title. No doubt. Head man in charge. BMOC yeah. Mobile, guy. Alabama. The guy for the Reese's Senior Bowl. Coming up. Top headlines, including a, a Steelers player on defense that's been suspended and the GOAT at quarterback coming to his defense. Straight ahead, Hotline with Hunt Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. <laughs> 